This is BVK for Ocean City Tourism, OCMD Streaming Audio. On March 11th, 2024, the title of the spot is STSA Leisure Summer. This is a 30-second composite stereo streaming audio mix. Get away with friends to the laid-back Maryland coast, where you can catch up while casting off and hang 10 while hanging out, where a day on board is never boring and full throttle is half the fun, where you can sink a putt, raise a glass, and there's always room for one more round. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at oceocean.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I don't think we, I don't think we play clean tonight. I don't think we uh, play to our standard, nowhere near our standard. Um, but I think the thing that you can't test or quantify is the resilience um, that the team has and the ability to persevere and see through things and overcome things. And this team has that. And so, um, you know, we we've yet to, you know, put up a, a performance um, to our standard, but. You know, we continue to find ways to win, to win. And when you win games like we've won games, that builds a ton of character. And, um, you know, kind of, I guess, character development mode um, with the games we've played and how we've won. Um, and it only serves, serves great things in the future. I love Jalen Hurts. Great player, great coach among his fellow players. Yep. Great leader. He, he calms down everyone. And... You know, Chris, at times last night, the Eagles' offense reminded me a little bit of the offense of the other team in Pennsylvania. They had one running back that was getting things done in DeAndre Swift, and they everything they did was getting suffocated. They passed to the left, suffocated. Passed to the right, suffocated. They weren't getting the ball down the field until they did. We'll talk about that. But they felt like they were sputtering. They felt like they weren't doing what they usually do. Yeah, they've got that. Hey, the, the sticks are only nine yards for us. If, if we get to third and one, fourth and one, we're going to convert. They've got that in their bag. But it just felt like their offense wasn't getting it done. Testament to the Chiefs' defense, but testament to the Eagles, Chris, to, to not get discouraged. They kept believing. They kept pushing. And finally, the dam broke. Yeah, that, they, they just hang in there. Right, they hang in there even when things aren't going well, and they just feel like, wait, at some point, 
our physicality start to going to wear you down or you know we got so many weapons that somebody's going to make a play whether that's DeAndre Swift ripping off a big run or them throwing a little screen past him over the middle or wait we have two number one superstar receivers on the outside where if you dabble and play man-to-man too much against A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith they're going to beat you plain and simple So they have a lot of answers or a lot of things they can go to in big moments and feel very comfortable about it. Now, to your point and about their offense, their offense isn't the same as last year. They're not not the same on offense and defense. I don't think they're as dominant, and, you know, maybe this will come in handy because we brought this up. They have been in more dogfights this year. They've had to show more resiliency and grit at the end of football games to win some games. But I do think, yeah, do they miss Nick Sirianni? I mean, not Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen. Shane Steichen's a brilliant offensive mind. They're not as creative on the offensive side of the ball. And I think Sean Desai on the defensive side, he's still finding his way too. So they're not quite as creative on either side as they were even with Jonathan Gannon on defensive coordinator. So I still think maybe that's a little bit of a work in progress. But nonetheless, their, their stubbornness, their fortitude, whatever you want to say, their belief in themselves, all of that, you know, it just shines through every game, every big situation. And they had every chance last night to get a little rattled. And, you know, for lack of a better phrase, pee down their leg a little bit and go, whoa, this ain't our night and we might screw up or whatever else. But they weathered the storm. And, you know, as the game went on, they did kind of start to wear the Chiefs down. And they started to get a feel for the Chiefs' creativity on the defensive side of the ball. And they started to make some plays on the offensive side of the ball and none bigger than, of course, the two big drives at the end of the football game for them to win it. We talked about this yesterday as it relates to the Lions. You don't want it to come too easily. You want to be tested. Yeah. You want to be battle-hardened. You want to have been in similar spots. The Eagles last year had it easy, especially when they got to the playoffs. It was an easy ride. Blow out the Giants. Easy win over the 49ers because Brock Purdy left the game early. And then you get yourself into a Super Bowl and you change. A couple of fourth downs where Nick Sirianni in the regular season might have gone for it, didn't go for it, make a difference in that Super Bowl game. This year, they've had to earn everything. And, you know, early on when they were winning, we're saying, yeah, but they're not really playing great teams. Wait until the schedule toughens up. Well, it has, and they're finding ways to dig deep and win, and there's no reason to believe that won't continue. They've got some tough games coming up. But this idea that they are physical, that they fight, that they scratch, that they claw, and they wait, and they wait for the opportunity, the right opportunity. And I texted you last night about how they're not throwing the ball down the field. What's this little, you know, pass to the left, pass to the right, the Chiefs are all over it. They're not even trying to get it down the field because, you know, there's that sequence first half where Chris Jones, back-to-back plays, puts Jalen Hurts on the ground. If you're you're not going to have time to let a play develop down the field because of Chris Jones, don't even try to do it. Well, then came that dagger, the moment where it's like, uh-oh, uh-oh, Chris is going to be right and I'm going to be wrong about this when the Eagles are going to win this game, the throw to Devontae Smith. Well executed, great adjustment by Devontae Smith. The ball was a little bit underthrown. Smith makes the catch, and, and that was the play I was talking about earlier. The Chiefs don't make that play to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He drops the ball that's maybe a smidge overthrown but he still should have caught it. And Devontae Smith, if we can show it, makes that catch adjusting 
to the ball. Right. On that ball beautiful was a smidge play when under finally thrown. get the ball down the field. Right. Yeah. Yeah. More than a smidge. He had yeah. to stop. He had to. He had to but when you have a guy beating at bat, see that's why. What's what Patrick Mahomes was saying? That was his point. When the guy's that open, you can take a little off of it and not stretch the limits of the speed and the overall ability to make the catch in full stride. Yeah, I've got this. He's, he's got this guy beat a little off of it. He makes the catch. And, uh, you know, who cares if he comes down at the one because we've got the ultimate weapon. He doesn't, he doesn't need to score. Sorry, fantasy managers who have Devontae Smith on your team. He doesn't need to score. He just needs to get within two yards because then we press the the button and we score the touchdown. Yeah, well, the, the, they're, they're amazing that way. They are. They just always seem to come through in those moments. I told myself when I picked the Dolphins against the Eagles, I said I'm not picking against the Eagles anymore. You know, Maybe when they play the 49ers and all that, but I'm, I'm done with it. I've seen enough to know, you know, like I said, other than one game last year in the Super Bowl against an all-time great team in Kansas City, they, they, they come through in big moments. And, you know, the, the bind they put you in, like even that play right there, the throw to Devontae Smith that you're talking about, right? They have so many things that you have to worry about that when you play them, you got to take some calculated risks. And that's what's great about Steve Spagnuolo and what he does on the defensive side of the ball. He's brilliant and coming up with, I think I could do this. This is a little crazy, but through my studies and knowing your formation and your personnel set, what you like to do, I could take a gamble here. Might leave a voided area, whatever, but you don't attack that area through my studies a whole lot. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it and try to put you in a bad situation, right? In that scenario right there, he's got Devonte Smith who runs four three against Mike Edwards, who's a safety, right? But they're worried about the run game, Swift, maybe the quarterback draw. He might do that. So they're playing a defense where they're going to, let's take a chance here. We're going to leave Mike Edwards on him man-to-man. We'll see where it goes. Hopefully they don't attack that. Oh, they attacked it. We're in trouble. But we've seen this, whether, oh, the Cowboys play, outplayed the Eagles in the second half. Whoop-dee-doo. Whoop-dee-doo they outplayed them. They can't get in the end zone in the big moment, and the Eagles do. The Dolphins kind of had moments of that game where you went, ooh, they're going to get back in this. They're going to make it interesting. Oh, interception down by the red zone by Tua. Darius Slay makes it. They just always seem to do this type of stuff, and that's why I'm not surprised by them. They're not playing their best football, but they're still the best team in football. And I think that's what's amazing about the team they have and, you know, the leader in Jalen Hurts and everything else about that football team. It's just very, very impressive. If you tell me going into last night's game, A.J. Brown has one catch for eight yards. Right. I'm I'm saying, well, Chiefs win this game. Yeah. But it's the other guys that stepped up. Now, we've seen A.J. Brown get a little frustrated earlier in the year when he wasn't getting the ball as much as he would have preferred. And so much for the MVP case for A.J. Brown. You can't have one catch for eight yards and build that case. You can't say, I was just the decoy last night and opened everything else up. You still got to have your numbers to stay in that conversation. And a game like last night may get him off the list altogether and put Hurts back at the top of it. And and that play, Chris, that the brilliance of that play call, when you've shown that you can run it with DeAndre Swift – that Jalen Hurts can run it. It's first and 10. Yeah. You're in the perfect spot That's in the field exactly to take a right. shot. That's what and I'm saying. And you catch them right. on their heels. Right. You catch them on their heels on first and 10. They're not thinking it's coming then because you haven't been doing it. 
that's that's also the brilliance of it. It's a little okie doke involved. You're not throwing it down the field. Hey, they're not throwing it down the field. And you have a lapse on that play when you're thinking it's going to be Swift running it or a little angle route or or Jalen Hurts is going to do a quarterback draw. You're not thinking Devontae Smith is going to run right no. by me here for no. the play that sets up the go-ahead touchdown. No, that, that's exactly right. And, guys, if you could show the pack one more time, if you don't mind, that's the same one we just showed there. Because I, I think that, that, that's the point here. And I would love to, like, at least slow down that first part, that first play, when we see the, 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 the whole play, the original play. Look, it's first and ten, to your point. It's a four-down defensive line. They're worried about run game. I think Gainwell's in right here. They're worried about, yeah, Jalen Hurts. They might call the quarterback design run. What are they going to do? They got a four-man rush. Willie Gay is down here on the 40-yard line over the slot. They're going to blitz him and take a calculated risk in case because they're going, wait, this Eagles offensive line still a bunch of big mofos. They're gonna, we can't just play him straight up all the time. We got to create something. So go ahead, let it play out, guys. There goes Willie Gay, blitz. So now they're trying to take a little bit of a gamble to take away everything in the Eagles' offense, and that leaves Mike Edwards in a tough situation uh, against Devonte Smith. And you know, in that, yeah, they're blitzing. You got Shavarius Ward. See, they put Smith and A.J. Brown on the same side. They're trying to bracket A.J. Brown, who's running the under route there. And I think it is an adjustment with formation and what they saw through the game that they finally said, okay, let's attack this to your point, Mike. And they got the right matchup. And Devontae Smith is, hey, he's a, he's a superstar on any other team in football. He's just on a team and one of the rare teams in the league that – has a receiver that's better than he is, you know, and that that's that's what's incredible about the Eagles. It really is, and they're just tough to stop. And that's without Dallas Goddard and company. And you know, the Eagles, Jalen Hurts, they run the ball, they're physical. They they got it all on the offensive side, and they haven't even hit their full stride yet. It's funny. The more you watch a play, the more little things you notice, and you could see there was that split second of oh shit from Legarius Sneed when he got flat footed. When I know, is he supposed to get back there and help out a little bit, right? Once he sees his guy go in and they're bracketing it, I would think that fear frees him up to go back out. But he also might have to worry about, wait, what if A.J. Brown, one of those fake, you know, go in and comes back out? I got to wait there for that, too. It depends on what the rules are. Watch this angle, though. Watch him. Watch him. Watch him right there. It's like when he does that, it's like, oh, no. I I think he he knows knows it's a matchup he doesn't like. I I don't think it's his fault, though, Mike, here, because I do. I think they're bracketing A.J. Brown. Drew Tranquil's taking him inside. Right, but I think you're right. He hits that moment of going, "Oh no!" Just that it's, oh, that, it's yeah. yeah, not that it's his fault. Right. It's just like, uh, oh, uh, I wish I could oh, get no. back there and help yeah. our safety who has no yeah. business covering Devonte Smith one on one. I think you're you're right. That's probably what's kind of going yeah. through his head in that moment right there. It's the look. It's the, it's the chess match, and I mean at at every level of football, but at the highest level where everyone can execute all the various plays and throws and whatever. You make a gamble. Like you said, it's first and 10. They send Willie Gay. They're bracketing A.J. Brown underneath. They've, they've got Mike Edwards lined up on Devontae Smith. They're taking the chance that they didn't call right, that the play, the play yeah. with the primary route right. because they haven't been throwing it down the field. You know, we've been getting to Jalen Hurts. Oh, we'll, we'll let the safety cover Devontae Smith for this play. We'll make that calculated risk and it blow up in their faces. And that's that body language from Jerry Sneed. Like, this is not the defense to use. 
against this specific play. So kudos to the Eagles. When they needed it, they pulled it off. They got the score, and they got the win. And, you know, we showed the quarterback push play that ultimately resulted in the go-ahead touchdown. I I get the whole Troy Polamalu angle here. Dallas Goddard said either before or after the Week 2 win over the Vikings, the only way to stop it is to do the Troy Polamalu thing and jump up over. Jumping up over isn't going to do anything against that because Jalen Hurts is so low, and he's ready for that part of it. When you jump, when someone's going at you low, when you jump, you're making it easier for them to put you down. Well, if we can yeah. show that. Yeah. They all jump up, and they all get knocked down. Jumping up is not going to do it. It just takes away force that you could use to push back yeah. against them. Yeah. When you're in a tug of war, you don't jump over the rope. You hold on to the rope. Yeah, they, 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 they're, they're amazing at doing it, as we've discussed. They have three centers as far as, you know, interior offensive linemen. Centers are usually the most explosive, twitchy offensive linemen of that group. So they can get off the ball. They're stout as hell there. We know their tackles are, I mean, they're giants in Malata and Lane Johnson. I mean, they're as big of humans as you're going to see. So they can just, yes, impose their physical will on there. Mike, I was thinking about it last night. You're right. The Troy Palomalo jump over by the linebackers' safeties, it doesn't matter because, yeah, their feet aren't on the ground, and the wave of the offensive linemen and defensive linemen just carry them away, right? I was thinking last night because I was sitting there going, you know, the Eagles, of course, are the kings of this, and we see defenses stopping other offenses, but nobody can stop the Eagles. What do you got to do? Somebody's going to have to change it up. I'm not so sure you might not have to stay, hey, Chris Jones, don't you don't get down in the, the four-point stands. Maybe you might have to start asking defensive tackles, hey, just jump over the pile right away. The front line jump over it. Hit, hit Jalen Hurts as soon as he gets the snap to where maybe one of the linemen can jump over and stop the momentum there, and then other people jumping over can too. I'm just throwing spitballing out. Uh, I'm just because it's it's a it's a great play. There's some great tactical aspects about it, and I, as a football player, think about hey, how can you stop this? This is what I do, and that's just one thing I thought of. You know, as I was sitting there watching it last night. Well, and you know, Chris, if this play is here to stay, yeah, that's fine. I want them – I don't want it to be an annual, are we going to get rid of this player or are we not going to get rid of it? Because I think what needs to happen now is the other teams need to scout, draft, and develop talent accordingly to stop it and to execute it. We need three centers. We're going to prioritize the center position. We're going to draft centers and make two of them guards. And we're going to have this wall, this interior wall that can do what the Eagles do. And in our evaluation of quarterbacks, we're going to look for guys that can squat 700 pounds. And, and, we're, and on defense, we're going to look for the pieces we think we need. If anyone can ever figure out how to stop it, those are the guys we need. That's the body type we need. It all goes into, you know, what you want to do on Sunday, that goes into who you're looking for throughout the college football season, throughout this, the combine and the pro days and all the stuff you're doing to prioritize your draft board, you're trying to put together a team that can do it if it's here to stay. So if it's here to stay, fine, let me know that so I can go out and get the guys so I can do this too. Because if I can take the 10 yards and move them to 9 yards, that's a hell of an advantage. Yeah. And that's the one thing that is going to be underrated all year long. 
Everybody else is dealing with a 10-yard chain. The Eagles are dealing with a 9-yard chain. That's right. And that's a huge difference maker in a close game. No, that, that, that's right. That's why first and second down is so big against the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's where the Chiefs, for the most part of the night, won those downs to where the Eagles, what? I don't, it wasn't until, what, late third quarter until the tush push, right? The brotherly shove, the tush push, the brotherly shove, the tush push. That's what you like, right? I'm going to say them because I know how about, what annoys how about, you. How about, the, <laughs> how about the up your butt Joe Boo? Let's call it that. Okay, well, the up your butt Joe Boo didn't come out till late in the third quarter. You know, because the Chiefs did do a good situation uh, or did a good job of keeping them out of those situations. But, yeah, you get them there. And I, I've changed my thought on this play a little bit. You know, I've seen enough to know – you can stop this. You can't make it illegal because one team's awesome at it and the rest of football's not. You can't. That's where I would go against it. You know, I, there was a time there where I worried, hey, is this going to be a player safety thing? You know, is this right? You know, and I thought about that for a while. But as time has gone on and what we've seen this year is that not everybody can do this. And to me, it would seem cheap right now if they took this out of the game. It would be a little bit like we're taking this out because the Eagles are too good at it. Like, screw that. This is the NFL big boy football. Either, like you said, start drafting people that you, you can do it or draft people that can stop it. But we can't make a rule to change it because one team's kicking the shit out of everybody else doing it when the rest of the league is shown they can stop other teams from doing it. It is amazing, though, when you think about the NFL's obsession with unintended consequences. And I just think they use that as an excuse to not change rules they don't want to change. But this is the ultimate unintended consequence. Years after they decided, you know what? We never throw a flag when an offensive player pushes a runner from behind. We never throw that flag. So let's just take that out of the rule book. Let's leave in the rule against pulling a player. But let's just take out the rule for pushing. And it took 15 years. For someone to realize we can weaponize that rule change. So it was never put in to allow this. It just was a situation where the Eagles realized we could do it. And I think it happened at some point last season where they realized, you know what, we can do this. Let's do this. And it worked. And they're the only ones who can perfect it. Others try, but there isn't that sense of inevitability. When others do it. No. When everyone else does it, it's kind of like, is this going to work? Is this yeah, going to work? Exactly. The chance is not going to work. When the Eagles do it, it's like, all right, let's see. How far are they going to push this <laughs> right, pile? Right. Are they going to gain five? Are they going to gain ten? Is it going to be one of these where they just carry it all the way to the end zone <laughs> from the 50? Um, you do need, though. I thought of this earlier, Chris, when you talked about Chris Jones and the different way to deploy a great defensive tackle. You need somebody who is extremely athletic and who can slice through. And, hey. The Eagles have that in Jalen Carter because last night, and this happened so fast you might have missed it, there was a spike play by the Chiefs to kill the clock, and Jalen Carter tried to dive through and intercept the pass as it was being spiked right at the end of the half, first half. Look at that. And, And let's hear from Jalen Carter as to why he tried to shoot through like he did and intercept the Patrick Mahomes pass. I saw on the internet, I seen it on YouTube, uh, some high school kid tried it, he actually caught the ball. So I was like, you know, that's a good idea. And I knew they was spiking it. So I, you know, I tried to go for it. It came pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> 
I love it. That's amazing. That I love. That's it. amazing. That's amazing. Hey, everybody, pre-draft that was talking about Jalen Carter this and Jalen Carter that. How many guys do you think are brainstorming ways to make their game better? And they have at all times because to come up with that idea, Chris, that isn't something that just falls into your lap. You have to be somebody who is always thinking about how do I get better? What can I do? What can I do? Hey, look at this. Not wow, that's entertaining. He's always thinking, what can I do to get better? And my God, if he had pulled that off, if he had pulled that off, that would be one of the all-time great Monday Night Football moments. It would be one of the all-time great highlights. And now that that cat's out of the bag, you got to wonder, you got to wonder, are other guys going to try to do it? And, you know, how, how, how long until offensive lines on that spike play are thinking about that? But, you know, the problem is it can mess up the whole timing of the spike play if you're worried about somebody trying to get through. Yeah, it, it, it can, certainly. You better be careful. It can lead to, you know, defensive offsides, right? Because you're trying to jump the snap and do that. I do worry about, like, I don't want them to dive into some center's knees, right, and hurt them that way. Those are the things I do worry Chiano. about. But he is a phenomenal. Yeah, right. Hey, you know, and, and again, maybe if that became a thing, then teams will have to readjust at how they, you know, spike the football. Uh, but he's an Chris, incredible. You know what, though? Yeah. Hey, right. hey hang on. If, if, if you think about this, because we never see it happen. One of the things that impresses me about that whole let's go, let's go, let's go up the line of scrimmage, let's go spike the ball. One false move and you got a 10 second runoff. One false move and it's done. Yeah. In a lot of these situations. Right. When, right. So now if you're worried about Jalen Carter sneaking through, maybe you get a flinch from somebody who's trying to make sure Jalen Carter doesn't sneak through, and boom, there it goes. 10-second runoff. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. It, it, it could be that. You know, it could go either way. Or he's trying to jump it, and now it's a, ten, you know, it's a penalty, and the team that was spiking the ball might get five yards and is in field goal position now. Right. now that, you know, so the, but, but we'll see. He's a phenomenal football player. He really is. We didn't get to see all he has to offer last night, and maybe that's one thing we didn't really talk about enough when we hit on the Chiefs. The Chiefs O-line, other than the first play of the game, did a pretty damn good job, even in the pass rush, containing some of these great defensive linemen for the Philadelphia Eagles. But uh, the Eagles are a handful up front. Jalen Carter is already one of the best defensive tackles in football. I don't think they even played their best game last night as far as that's concerned, Uh, but yeah, they, that, that's that's what we're – they got so many guys that just seem to love the sport, want to be better, you know, want to be the guy that makes the play in the big moment to help the team win, and you can feel that. And you feel that watching them, and you feel that it kind of like just leaks through the TV screen and their confidence in themselves that, you know, even when they were kind of taking haymakers and they were in the corner with the guards up and just going, man, we're, we're getting beat up here by the Chiefs, you still felt like they weren't panicked and that they felt like, hey, we'll, we'll start to make some plays here when it, when it counts. And, of course, they did, and they delivered in a big way, pulling off the victory in Arrowhead. And you mentioned neutralizing that great pass rush. I know I thought about this as it was happening early in the game when Hassan Reddick comes around the edge in a season of quarterback injuries galore. Patrick Mahomes, one of the guys who has had, he had like a hand thing. He's been on the injury report with that, but only a small handful of guys have made it through so far unscathed all year. Here comes Reddick. First thing I'm thinking is Brock Purdy because that was that same move, that same around the edge, and Purdy's got his arm back when Reddick hits it. Now Mahomes still had the ball tucked, so it wasn't an issue. 
But Reddick got him Ooh, clean. Reddick hit him hard. He hit him hard. Hit him hard right. early in the game. It, it, clean he, he and did. hard. It was. It was clean and hard. And, you know, to that point, and as great as that Eagles D-line is and all that, right, uh, that, that, you know, talking about the silver lining, and, you know, maybe the Eagles will have to do some different things to put some pressure on Mahomes if they get the chance to play him again in the Super Bowl because I do feel like the Chiefs are a little bit of the Eagles' kryptonite as far as that's concerned. The fact that, you know, one, you know, early, the first touchdown drive of the game by the Kansas City Chiefs, they ran the ball, and if you remember, it was a lot of quick little, you know, Mahomes is so special, and even the quick wide receiver screens and the pick plays, because he can get the ball out of his hands quicker than anybody in the game with weird angles and still throw the ball on point. So they do that. That wears out the pass rush. Then Mahomes, he was under pressure a bunch of times last night, but Mahomes stands in the pocket and waits for people to come open to the last second, about as good as anybody in the sport at times, let alone then he also can move. And I feel like that wears down the Chiefs pass rush a little bit. Too. I mean, the uh, Eagles pass rush a little bit because you're chasing him and he's moving and dodging and weaving and breaking the pocket and all that. So he poses some problems to that great Eagles defensive front, not only because of the scheme they have, but for what he does physically. And, of course, his ankle wasn't hurting this one like the Super Bowl a few times. You felt like there was a few times in the game where the Eagles were like, damn, he's annoying. Damn, I, I can't contain this guy. Who the hell is he? He's Houdini out there. He's uh, special that way, but it was a, a great matchup to watch that, that Chiefs D-line versus – or Chiefs O-line versus that Eagles D-line. The Eagles, and this is very fitting, the Eagles are Rocky Balboa and the Chiefs are Apollo Creed, and we can only hope. A little bit, And I know right. that the yeah. fans of the other teams want it to be different, but as a generalized fan of the game who loves great stories and great moments – we can hope for Rocky too. We can hope for the rematch. We can hope that the Eagles have that speed, like Mickey said, when Rocky finally catches the chicken who's darting all over the place that Rocky wasn't able to catch at first. I feel like a Kentucky Fried Idiot. Maybe, just maybe, there'll be a rematch. They'll be, that's right. You know, you're going to eat, they're going to eat lightning and you're going to crap thunder. And we're going to take a break. And when we come back with my horrible Mickey impersonation, we're going to look at the updated Super Bowl odds for Super Bowl 58 on PFT Live. (laughs) Hey, pet parents. Are you searching for the perfect place for your dog to play? Check out Camp Bow Wow. Our safe and supervised doggy daycare and boarding ensures your pup gets the socialization they crave while giving you peace of mind. With our certified staff and clean and spacious facilities, your dog will have a blast making friends and staying active. Join the Camp Bow Wow Pack today. Your first day is free. Visit us at CampBowWow.com. Franchise opportunities available. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A little before and a little after, prior to week 11, and currently the Eagles' Super Bowl odds shift in their favor, as you would expect. The Chiefs, though, they were plus 500, and they're down to plus 475. To Is it to get to the Super Bowl? Is it to get there or win it? Is it to win it? It's to win it. So the odds for both teams improved. The Chiefs slightly, the Eagles by a nice little margin, and then there's everybody else. A, 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 a bit of a drop to the Ravens, and then a plummet. Look at this. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Where? Wait a minute. Oh, these must have been. These are, are just notable. notable. Those are notable. notable. It's not everybody. Right. The 49ers, 49ers aren't in there. Yes. Exactly. All right. right. Notable. Yeah. Keyword. Keyword. First word. Notable. There it is. Hiding. Hiding. How dare you hide on the graphic the word notable <laughs> in big font. Notable. I was like, wait a minute. Where's the 49ers? Where's the Cowboys? Okay. Browns Browns at 35 to 1 looking pretty interesting to me right now, frankly. And look at what happened to the Bengals from plus 1,500 to plus 150,000. There's 50, your 000. Super Bowl. There we go. There you go. There's the, there's, there we go. The, 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 the 49ers and the Chiefs are equal, but the Cowboys are pretty far down. I'm surprised. Cowboys are as far down as they are, but you know what? They're likely not going to win the division. They're going to have to go on the road. They're going to have to do it the hard way. And and it's not going to be easy. If the Saints win the N- NFC South, you're going to the, the Superdome. Superdome's rocking. Don't go a-knocking on a Saturday night or whenever it would be in January. I, I That's not an, a, a go-easy win for the Cowboys. Cowboys much better at home than they are on the road. So I, I can understand why the Cowboys' odds are longer. So the key is we might have seen, frankly, I think, a potential Super Bowl rematch a preview and a rematch last night all in one a lot of football to be played and a lot can happen and we see how it's thread a needle the Chiefs do it all the time thread a needle thread a needle thread a needle and they've never had to go on the road with Patrick Mahomes and it still feels like every game is a fight what happens if they do have to go on the road Chris I think that's the big takeaway from last night for me although the rest of the season the Chiefs should be able to win if they don't get their act together quickly they're going to have to go on the road to Baltimore. They're going to have to go on the road to Miami, where it's going to be a very different Dolphins team than the one they saw in Germany. They're going to have to be the team that is at someone else. And that could be the thing that would keep them from getting back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, sure. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. You know, it will. They certainly got some competition this year with the, the Baltimore Ravens, who are a damn good football team. We know that. Right? I, I don't... It, to me, hey, it's the Chiefs I've seen them overcome just about everything in the sport, so I don't give a damn if the game's on Mars, you know, a parking lot, wherever. The Chiefs will show up in a big moment. I'm I'm really not worried about that, but it will be fun to watch Mahomes on the road doing that. And I think what's interesting, you know, the Super Bowl odds, and, you know, we I think we agree the teams that we look at to be true Super Bowl contenders and all that, where it's the Eagles are the best team in football, but I think what's cool about this year a little bit Eagles' best team in football, yes, but you tell me if I'm crazy to say this. When I watch the Eagles at their best this year, 
I do not think it looks as good as the 49ers or the Ravens when they've been at their best, okay? And I know we're still evaluating until what Jalen Hurts said. I don't think we've played our best game yet or a complete game on the offensive side of the ball. You know, and and that, I think that's part of it. But I don't know. Do you agree with that? That at their best right now, you know, the Eagles don't look as good as the Ravens and the 49ers at their best. Their best thing they do is just when they not, they're not at their best, they don't fall too down the line where we've seen the Ravens and 49ers really mess up when they're not at their best. And that's the, the difference, at least in, in my opinion. At their best, i.e. at their healthiest, nobody's beating the 49ers. Nobody's beating the 49ers. The 49ers are the best team in football in my mind right now. Now, am I going to have the guts to jump them all the way to number one? No, because that risk of injury is so prevalent because of the way they play. The thing that can hurt them is the thing that makes them great. They're the product of that. That's why they have three losses. But if they can keep their key players healthy, when January rolls around, they are a team. And if they can get home games, we were talking about this during the break, they are a far different team at home than they are on the road. Or maybe we were talking about during the segment. Yeah. I don't know. I'm tired. Yeah. yeah. But, okay. But, but here's my question for you. Yeah. As it relates to the AFC field. Right. Would you be more interested in seeing Chiefs Ravens or Chiefs Browns as a playoff game? Ooh. They both be fun, but Chiefs Ravens is what I'd want to see. Yeah. I mean, the Ravens. You know, the tradition, how good they've been really this whole century for the most part. Lamar Jackson hasn't got to the Super Bowl yet, right? All the stars they have on their football team on both sides. There is a little bit of a rivalry with them and the Chiefs, and the Chiefs had their number until that Sunday night football game where they kind of blew it at the end of the game a few years ago in a Chiefs fashion, and the Ravens won. So, yeah, I think that's the one I'd want to see. As much as I love that Cleveland story, and you know I got a man crush on that defense and all that, I still think Ravens-Chiefs would be uh, the better watch. Yes, I do. Hey, and one last thing that we haven't discussed. Yeah. With all the focus following Thursday night's game on the Joe Burrow injury, the Mark Andrews injury, Lamar Jackson injured his ankle, and the Ravens have – no requirement, no compulsion, no inclination to do a press conference telling us how bad that ankle might be. And, of course, after the game, they're all going to say all the right things. Friday, who knows? Who knows what he's dealing with? We're going to see an injury report tomorrow in advance of the Sunday night game on NBC and Peacock, Ravens at Chargers. Who knows what's going to be on that injury report tomorrow? Is it going to be did not practice, parentheses, ankle for Lamar Jackson? And are we getting, you know, we've seen it 21 22 are we getting to the point in the season where because of the way he plays it's going to be a knee it's going to be an ankle it's going to be something that affects him and even if he's healthy and he's fine and able to play is that ankle something that's going to affect him as we get toward crunch time so important because the Ravens currently technically have the one seed now because they played the extra game they're eight and three I believe I still hate all this buy stuff I can't keep it straight but I think they're eight and three because the Chiefs are seven and three and the Browns are seven and three. Yeah. And the Dolphins are seven and three. And the Jaguars are seven and three. Are you kidding me? What a race down the stretch to hold that number one seed. But but let's keep an yeah. eye on the Ravens injury yeah. report tomorrow because well, Lamar Jackson's right. health is going to be the key to this vision of what would be a great that would be great. Mahomes and Jackson? 
Are you kidding me? Yeah, that would be great. That would be great if Jackson's one hundred percent. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. it's. Uh, right. if Lamar's an MVP candidate. I mean, we didn't get to talk about MVP odds yes. and all that. That of course would be huge. And we haven't got to this yet. And I don't know if it's you know at a later date. The hip drop tackle and all that's another conversation that we got to bring up at some point we'll here in the recent future. We'll yeah, do the show tomorrow. We can talk about it for two hours tomorrow. Do the show tomorrow, and we'll talk about it for nope, two hours. Nope, I won't see you there. Have fun talking about it yourself or somebody else. That's not going to happen. But I will say this before we go. I, have we ever been to a point right now this far in the year? I, it just seems like there is no clear front runner for MVP in football right now. It is to me as up in the air as I can ever remember. I really don't. I, there's no quarterback to me that right now that screams MVP. You know, we've talked Tyree Kill. I think that's the MVP in football. AJ Brown, I thought was in that conversation, right? He didn't have a very good night last night, so that hurts him. You know, CJ Stroud is legit like an MVP candidate, but I do think that some of these defensive guys, Miles Garrett and Micah Parsons, people got to stop looking beyond you have to break the sack record to become a defensive MVP or a, 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 an MVP candidate, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, Michael Parsons and 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 Miles Garrett, the effect they have on the overall game is astounding. When you turn on film and watch it, it's all the F the plays up and everything that go way beyond the stat line. And I think they deserve to be in that that, that you know graphic and that picture there as far as that conversation is concerned. Two things, two things. The MVP race is wide open because the race for the number one seed is wide open. And we know when the dust settles on the final standings, the teams that hold the number one seeds are going to be the first place we look for the MVP candidates because, especially now that the playoff field expanded and only the one seed gets a bye, it has more value than ever before to be the top seed. So the value to being the guy who's the most important player on the team that has secured the most value by way of the top seed, it's even enhanced. And between Garrett and Parsons, Garrett is more likely to win it if the Browns are the top seed than Parsons is if the Cowboys are the top seed because Dak's going to get the votes, not Parsons. Parsons may get some, but Dak and Parsons split. If the Browns end up at the top seed, Chris, Garrett's the MVP. Now, you got to compare. He's the MVP from the AFC side. There may be a Jalen Hurts, Miles Garrett fight to the finish yeah but my vote will be miles garrett if the browns are the top seed because there's nobody else on the browns to make the mvp yeah i i, I think that's a, a valid point you're right the quarterback play for the cowboys might hurt a micah parsons there uh it'd be interesting though it's, it really is it's going to be fun to watch here down the stretch you're right the number one seed is a big part of that who gets that first round by and then we'll see if somebody gets hot does a quarterback get hot here down the last seven weeks of the year to where they put up numbers that separate themselves from the rest of the, the pack here and we, we get a clear front runner? And this is where I take off my Jalen Hurts shirt and I have a Josh Dobbs shirt on. <laughs> All right, don't forget, on DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 in pocket, 150 bucks in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat, same-gay parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code PFT Live when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. More PFT Live after the break. What was uh, what behind the decision to go with Tim Ball this week? Um, you know, just give him an opportunity. Uh, a different style of quarterback. Um, so really, it's just to give him an opportunity to see if we can do something with the offense. 
Uh, all three will be up on game day. Trevor will be the immediate backup. Like we said, you know, we, we think Zach is incredibly talented. Um, felt like he'd get an opportunity to sit behind uh, Aaron and, and just learn if, you know, uh, empathetically or sympathetically. Uh, when you look at Zach, he's never really had an opportunity to watch somebody play the uh, play the position. And, um, I mean, he's had, you know, Joe's, Joe Flacco was fantastic. Uh, my boy did some good things. But to just sit back and just watch from, from, from the ground up. And uh, that was his opportunity with Aaron. And uh, four plays in, he's back into the starting lineup. So he never really got to really sit back and kind of absorb and just get that redshirt year that um, you would have loved to have given him. But uh, so you could you could always play the hindsight's 2020 game. But um, we felt like we did what was best for the organization, best for the team. And um, you know, it's a, it's been an unfortunate series of events when you look at all the injuries on the old line and just the things that have transpired since the start of the year. Yeah, red shirt year becomes pink slip year for Zach Wilson. He's done now. He's done. He's done. It's over. It's over. We we at least know the answer to that question. There isn't going to be some handing of the baton from Aaron Rodgers to Zach Wilson at some point in the future. He's done. It's over. It was over last year. Something happened last year. After the Jaguars lost that ugly Thursday night game where he was benched for Chris Streveler, Jay Glazer said on Fox the following weekend, they're done with Zach Wilson. He'll be gone after the season. And I believe that was true at the time. And it changed. Forces within the organization resulted in them keeping Zach Wilson. We've talked about it, Chris. I think they were concerned they were going to let him go and he was going to go somewhere else and he was going to become with someone else the guy he was never going to become for them. I think this year they've seen enough to know, you know what, we don't have to worry about him going to Kansas City and learning the ropes behind Patrick Mahomes and then going somewhere else and becoming a superstar. There isn't going to be a Geno Smith second act for Zach Wilson. That's the conclusion they've come to. They may be wrong, but I think they've come to that conclusion. Yeah, I mean, it feels like, I mean, the, the marriage is over. That's for sure. There, there, there's gonna, I would be shocked if Zach Wilson's on the roster last year, to your point there. Uh, it, it's, it's a, uh, they gave him one last chance. He did a great job in the preseason. You know, he did play well there. I think that gave them confidence and thinking maybe he was turning the corner. He got thrusted into a situation that certainly was hard, right? He's been in a hard situation really his whole career. That's where I do feel for him. It's never been quarterback, you know, conducive to bringing him along, uh, propping him up, making him grow as a player. There's been nothing there that helped him that way. And then, of course, he hasn't helped himself either. He's got talent, yes, but he shows an, an inability to have natural feel for the game. I think that's the biggest thing. So, yeah, I don't expect that. To, uh, I, I, like we talked about yesterday, I, I thought that this change was going to happen. It'd be hard to sell to your locker room you know, at this point with this many weeks in a row of inept offense to go, we're trying to win the game with this guy at quarterback. Uh, the coach has got to look like, hey, we're trying to improve everything. We're going to play the best players. Guys don't play well. We've got to play somebody else. You've got you to help the locker room out that way. And Zach Wilson hasn't helped himself out or the team in that matter. And, uh, yeah, I think that's all she wrote in that department. And, look, this just underscores the failure by the Jets to have a plan B other than Zach Wilson after Aaron Rodgers gets injured on the fourth snap of the season. And I understand they're in the middle of a lot of stuff. And the deflation of the balloon immediately after the highest of highs, the debut that night, he runs out with the flag. Everything's special when four plays in, he's done. But we've seen the Vikings pivot to a plan B and incorporate a plan B pretty effectively. I really do think, Chris, choose my words carefully here, 
I think Aaron Rodgers is a big reason why they blew this because he was so intent on them leaving a light on for him and making it clear. And this is the downside of having that weekly platform for which he apparently gets paid a lot of money with Pat McAfee. When you're constantly talking about coming back and there's this vibe that you're coming back, that really affects what you can do for this year. They were never going to go get Kirk Cousins, even if they had the draft capital, even if they could have pulled it off. How can you bring Kirk Cousins in and then say to Kirk Cousins, if he gets you to the playoffs, thanks for everything you've done, Aaron Rodgers will take it the rest of the way. You just you can't do a permanent replacement for Aaron Rodgers when Aaron Rodgers keeps talking about coming back. So now, and this is where it gets, I, I, look, I'm not saying that this was his motivation, but it's the perfect outcome for Aaron Rodgers. I'm coming back, I'm coming back, I'm coming back. Oh, wait, there's nothing to come back for. But I could have come back. I was ready to come back. It's, it's, but there was nothing to come back for. Yeah, there was nothing to come back for because they didn't have a viable alternative plan at quarterback. I mean, I, you know, why didn't they bring back Joe Flacco? He was with the team last year. I just wonder whether it's a simple, a very simple Aaron Rodgers didn't like Joe Flacco. And they've given Aaron Rodgers so much power. When he gave back that $33.8 million, he's the most powerful person in the organization. What if he just said, man, I don't know about Joe Flacco. And then there goes the Joe Flacco talk because they were going to do whatever he wanted to do. I really do think the Aaron Rodgers injury and the way he's handled this idea of coming back, it, it paralyzed them when it came to doing anything that would have truly upgraded the quarterback position. I, I, I agree with everything you say. I think there's a lot. There's even more ripple effects than, than what you're saying there. You know, it, it, it's, it's they went all in on Rodgers to where, yeah, it affected their personnel on the offensive side of the ball. It affected the way the offense was orchestrated because it was orchestrated until let's just get in formations. You know, Nathaniel Hackett and Rodgers will come up with things together as far as formations. Hackett and Rodgers talk about, hey, in this formation, we like these five or six plays, and then he'll get to them at the line of scrimmage. And they have personnel that also was for that. And then, therefore, when that guy gets hurt, it gives them one, two, three less avenues to go to your point with Minnesota. Wait, we could do this or that or this or that to help out the team. No, they're not. They're built to basically survive on the quick passing game. That's what they're built to as far as Aaron Rodgers and and is the starting quarterback. All right, now Zach Wilson, he's young. He's not going to be as good at that and all of and all of that, not get you into the plays all the time the right way. So that's affected that as well. You know, so that's where it's different. You know, let alone Minnesota does have Kevin O'Connell and he's special in that department and they got a very good pass blocking offensive line to go along with it. And, you know, O'Connell runs the ball stubbornly probably more than he should because he just wants to set up the play action pass and do all of those things. Uh, and they've you know, got some guys at receiver that have real talent, not guys that, wait, he'll listen and know what Rodgers wants and he'll be in the right spot. They got guys in Minnesota that go, wait, when he's one-on-one, just throw to him. He's going to be open. We got like three of them. And that's where you know the Rodgers thing and the ripple effect to your, your point and what I'm saying there definitely affected the football team, yes. And meanwhile, Jay Glazer reported on Sunday that Aaron Rodgers is targeting a December 2nd return to practice. Well, that's a Saturday before a game. That's just kind of a weird day to have leaked. It's his birthday, though. It's Rodgers' 40th birthday. And I don't know. I had people texting me like, 
do they practice on Saturday, the day before a game? And why would Aaron Rodgers practice the day before a game? Right. So, right. Yeah, but but why why have him in a walkthrough when he's not playing the next day? It was just the whole thing was kind of weird. Everything about this has been weird. And another report from Sunday, Chris. They're already plotting a run at Devontae Adams in the offseason. So they're going to go even more all in. And you know what this does? And I got no problem with guys trying to protect their turf. This makes any talk of firing Joe Douglas or firing Robert Sala a non-starter because we're 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 going to we're we're, t- we're just going to keep going all in. And you, hey, Aaron Rodgers doesn't want a new coach. He doesn't want a new GM. He runs the show. He doesn't want a new personality in here as he's trying to finish what he started this year. Everybody's back. Oh, we're going to get Devontae Adams. We're going to push more chips in the middle of the table and hope for a better outcome than this year. And I think that's where it's heading. They're, they're not going to change anything other than more all-in, Chris, with Aaron Rodgers. All right. Let's take a break. I looked down at the tease. The tease was changed. It's generic now. We were going to do something, but we may do something else. We'll find out, as I will, when PFT Live continues right after this. You wanted to build this into a consistent winner, this yep. franchise. You're facing some adversity. It may not be happening right now. How are you kind of like handling that, processing that emotionally? Because the truth of the matter is, Scott, I can only control what I can. And as long as things that are that, that we want to be going in the right direction seem to be doing that, that's a positive. What happens from 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 beyond today, what happens from beyond the end of the season, that, that's not in my control. So everything I'm going to do is just focusing on today. I mean, the now and, 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 and present, that's the only thing I have. And that's what I'll do. I'm trying to get that across to the players as well. I, I can't focus on what I, I can't control. I can only control what's going on right now with this football team uh, this day. Ron Rivera, coach of the Washington Commanders for now. And look, he's a big boy. He gets it. He knows how it works. He was the coach of the Panthers when David Tepper bought the team. He understands when there's a new owner, there will be changes unless the team performs so well that the owner really can't make a change. And it was a simple mandate, I think, for Ron Rivera. Make the playoffs and save your job. And they had an opportunity on Sunday, Chris, if they had beaten the Giants with the Seahawks losing and the Vikings losing. You beat the Giants and Tommy DeVito at home. You're right in the thick of things for the playoff picture for the seventh seed in the NFC. And they looked horrible in that game. Horrible. Even though they mustered nine sacks at Tommy DeVito, they just were a team that really has not looked good lately. And I know they haven't, they haven't given up. They're still fighting. They're still trying. But we know where this is going. We know how this is going to end. It's going to end with Josh Harris getting rid of Jason Wright, the team president, getting rid of Martin Mayhew, the team GM, and getting rid of Ron Rivera and starting over again. The only question, Chris, is whether Rivera makes it to the end of the year. I think there's a good chance he doesn't make it. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same way. It does seem like writing's on the wall. Mike, there's a, I know I said this to you during the break, but there's you know a big piece of me that looks feels like goes he would have been fired yesterday if they weren't playing on Thanksgiving. Uh, I I really feel like that. You know after that loss, right? The Giants team has been playing pitiful to lose that way to them. Second time this year they lose to the Giants, right? There's some ugly win, ugly ugly losses on their schedule. You know I know they've had you know some, some solid wins and. You know, chance to beat the Eagles and came up short, and that was impressive and all that. But then, yeah, you talk about, oh, wait, they lost to the Giants twice and games that 
you know, they kind of outplayed them and they found ways to mess it up. That goes on the coaching, right? The Bears on Thursday night get blown out at home. You know, there's just been issues that way. You're a defensive head coach and you and Jack Del Rio have a horrible defense and you got good talent. You know, and they've traded away. Of course, the defense ends were you know big pieces of the franchise. So yeah, I don't expect this to end well for Washington. And uh, yeah, I think Ron Rivera and company on their last leg here down the stretch of the NFL season. And if they get embarrassed in that big spot that delivers a huge audience, the middle game on Thanksgiving. And, you know, for a while they were putting great games there. You don't need to put great games there, and it's still going to deliver 35, 40 million viewers. If they get embarrassed, Chris, I think Friday could be the day. As I said, Black Friday could be Black Monday for Ron Rivera. He could be done the day after that game if they get embarrassed by Dallas. I don't disagree with that. I I, I could see that. And then did they just start the process? Hey, we're about to be into December. You know, now words out. Hey, this let's job's see what open. Can let's do. look at everybody. Yeah, let's they'll start to reevaluate it all. So we'll we'll see where it goes. But yeah, it, it's the the writing seems on the wall, like it's on the wall there for the Washington Commanders. It's been a troubling year, and really, I kind of thought it was all over. As I said at the time, when they traded Montez Sweat and Chase Young, I think that was really the first you know you know flare into the air. Go trouble for Ron Rivera. Trouble. We're selling. Oh. We're getting rid of, you know, cornerstone pieces of the franchise, which means we don't care about you either, and it just feels like it's headed that way in Washington. Yeah, continuing the Rocky theme today, that was the throw the damn towel moment by the organization when they traded both of those guys a few weeks back. So we're doing this scale of 1 to 10 hot seat. I think we both agree it's 10 right now for Ron Rivera. It, it, it almost gets to the point where it cools down because it's inevitable. It's no longer hot. We just know it's a matter of time. How about Brandon Staley? How how grave is his danger? I I, I mean, it's hot. It's I I mean, it's I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to say it's as hot as Ron Rivera's, but it's not far off. You know, it's it's if Ron's a ten, Brandon Staley's a nine. Uh, I, I think some of the same things that we talked about with Washington, they they hold true with with the Chargers. Right, I mean, finding ways to lose football games, right? More talent or better talent than what they show on the field. You're a defensive head coach, and the defense is embarrassing. I mean, embarrassing. Jordan Love and and company looked like they were Dan Fouts and the Chargers moving the ball in that Chargers defense the other day. And they haven't done that to anybody. They were running and throwing the ball at will, giving the reverse to Jaden Reed. Nobody even touches him as he runs up the sideline. I mean, it's just that. It's mistakes. It's mismanagement of moments. It's it's just a bad look, you know. Uh, so because they're four Hang and on. six. Time out. Time yeah, out. Yeah. Time out. Yeah. Time out. What? I was going to throw it a break. I was going to throw it a break, but I, I can't. We're talking about guys getting fired. The Steelers have announced that Matt Canada, offensive coordinator, has been fired. Wow. Wow. It's over. Whoa. Done. Do you want to take a break and collect your thoughts and we'll talk about it next? Should yeah, that, I think that makes sense. Let's, Let's do, do that. that. Right. Let's do that. When we return, Matt Canada out. What does that mean for the Pittsburgh Steelers? More PFT Live right after this. The Pittsburgh Steelers have announced that Matt Canada has been relieved of his duties as offensive coordinator. I appreciate Matt's Hard work. Thank you, Matt. 
pack your shit and leave. And dedication, and I wish him the best moving forward in his career. It felt like they were going to ride this out through the end of the year. But Chris, I saw this yesterday. I don't know if we talked about it on the show. But there was a moment during the game on Sunday where Deontay Johnson had to be physically removed by Broderick Jones from a member of the coaching staff. And Mike Tomlin had to get involved. And I'm sorry, when you disturb dad while he's working, you got a problem. And it may be as simple as Tomlin saying to Canada, you got to control your guys. You got to control your guys. And when you look at everything Najee Harris said on Sunday after that game, That's, we played yeah. a smidge of it. Yeah. There was more stuff from Najee Harris. That's and what makes me think it was about clear that. that th- right, right. This thing was off the rails. It was off the rails for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Even though they're six and four, it was off the rails. And it was starting to wear on the defense. You and I talked about that yesterday. How much longer can the defense hold when the offense isn't doing jack diddly squat? Yeah, exactly right. It's been underwhelming. We know that. It's another team we could talk about, like we talked about with Staley or Ron Rivera, where you look at it and go, the talent on the offensive side of the ball is better than the results they're getting, right? I'm not saying they should be a top five offense in football, but it shouldn't be the worst, one of the worst offenses in football. That's for sure. Right. There's no systematic uh, surgicality like we talk about. There's no tying to players. There's no explosive plays being made. I mean, nothing's looked good. And I thought about, you, you know, the Najee Harris thing, too. You know, yeah. Was he speaking to you know, something that Matt Canada was doing on a weekly basis that he says or doesn't say to the team? Whoever. It's just it ain't a good look there. It's a shocking thing for the Steelers are usually, hey, stay the course, fight this out. We'll try to get better. They took the, you know, the route of the, the 2012 uh, Ravens, right? Or no, 2000 and what, what, what year was that? The 2011 Ra- yes. 12 Ravens. Jim Caldwell. Right. 2012. Fire the OC. Cam Let's Cameron see if we out. Can make a run Jim here. Caldwell right. in. Right. And they won the Super Bowl. That's right. So they're, Great they're, point. They're, they're going to maybe try to do that. We'll see where it goes. But, you know, it might be too little too late. But I, I, I am surprised. I think we all thought this was the last year of Matt Canada as the OC. I didn't think they'd do it right now. Well, And look, if you've already decided, I'm a big believer, if you've already decided to make the change, why delay the inevitable? If you know it's not working, you can hope maybe it changes or you can make a change. The question is, how do you make it better? They happen to have Jim Caldwell, a former Super Bowl coach, available to pivot to in Baltimore 11 years ago. Here's another big difference. Kenny Pickett's not Joe Flacco. No. And... You know, I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. I mean, at some point, it is picket. At some point, like you said when the Panthers were thinking about drafting picket when they had Sam Darnold. The problem there is when they show up to throw at OTAs and they see Darnold and they see picket, they're going to say, the players are going to say, well, Darnold's better. Right. There's nothing picket does. Right. Now, the full package is serviceable. There's nothing he does, and this is something you've been saying for a couple of years now, that makes you say, wow. There's nothing he does that makes you say, wow. He doesn't have the mobility to get out of the pocket. He does that Kirk Cousins style, take a few steps, and then either get rid of it or he's engulfed by the guys who are chasing him. There's not a high-level mobility. There's not a big arm. It's not, you know, you know it's just, it's, and I, I'm sorry, but it is what it is. Yeah, it is what he it just, is. Right. At some point, it's him. 
Yeah, I, I, some of it's on him. He's definitely, you know, that's the problem with that draft class. It was an underwhelming class with him, Malik Willis, and Matt Corral, but we know, hey, teams need quarterbacks, and they get overvalued. And that was one of the reasons I didn't love him because I just went, he's system dependent. He's not, like, if the team's not great or any of that for a first-round quarterback, he's not going to do a whole lot in his own because of the lack of wowness factor like you talked about. You know, the athlete, the arm, none of it is elite. You know, stand in the pocket, take big shots, do all of that. So we'll see where this offense goes. They have Mike Sullivan on staff, right? He was an offensive coordinator for the Giants and Eli Manning there for a little while. Uh, I would imagine that he's the guy that, you know, takes on this this workload here, and, and we'll see how they kind of disperse it with the rest of the group. We'll take a quick break and wrap up this Tuesday edition of PFT Live right after this. So it looks like Matt Sullivan, Mike Sullivan, Matt Sullivan, Phil Sullivan, Bill Sullivan, someone named Sullivan is going to be calling the plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers moving forward. As we said earlier, not exactly Jim Caldwell, not a guy who has the established high-level track record like the Ravens had when they pivoted from Cam Cameron to James Caldwell or Jim Caldwell. I, look, hey, uh, Chris, I just think that, 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 that this is – the Browns broke the Steelers. Yeah. And it's just a matter of time before it crumbles. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. The, well, yeah. The Steelers got, you know, out Steelered by the Browns. The offense has been horrible. And, hey, they're playing a stretch here. Bengals, Cardinals, Patriots, where maybe a new OC can get them going a little bit. Thanks See for your time. See you tomorrow morning. Fly, Have Eagles, a great fly. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.